Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host Tom Quee here. We're here with episode 117 of this run. We are discussing today Rebel of Babylon from the Beyond Magnetic EP. A kind of subpar release. I mean, we'll get into it. I'm not the biggest fan of this. Always the barometer of those tracks on that EP is like, can it actually get onto Death Magnetic? Like, you know, would it cross that Rubicon? But we'll get to that as we get through. Um, as always, if you're not familiar with the show, it's myself and a guest discussing a song. If you want to come on the show and discuss a song, there are a few available. We did it again, it's actually available, the Swiss Beat song. So this is kind of a lesser-known classic that the band did in like 2002 for some uh, some odd Biker Boys soundtrack. So that's available. If you want to know what else is available, metallicapod.gmail.com. You can support us on iTunes, leave us a review, Patreon as well. I'm trialing this new series that I don't know if I'm even going to make a thing where it's kind of like an early demo where it's going to be a video of me going through each issue of So What Metallica's fan magazine and I've already done the first one it's only like five minutes long but yeah that's on the Patreon so if you want to know what's on there want to check it out want to go support um but yeah today we are discussing a song we are with yet another guest and it's Rob Rob Stone Rob how's it going sir hi how's it going I'm doing very well thank you and you know it's nice that you've had a you well you have a YouTube channel that I checked out just just like 10 minutes ago, just whatever, going through your videos and stuff. And it's great to get an insight. And one of the things that I saw that I was just like, okay, yeah, this is, I, I like the fact you shared this. Your favorite ever album is St. Anger. Oh, yes. I forgot that that was a, a thing on there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually, yeah, it's my favorite album ever. Ever. And uh, the, the reason for that is actually tied into how I found out about Metallica in the first mm-hmm. place was because my dad would listen to music in the car, be like, R.E.M., Queen, Rush, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Dad he'd rock. listen to Metallica, and it would be, yeah, Dad Rock, essentially. But he'd listen to more Black Album, Load, Justice, mm-hmm. but not really their super heavy stuff. And, you know, when I'm like eight or nine years old, I'm taking my dad's CDs all the time. We had like a stereo. He'd get a bit angry, and for some reason, he just never noticed that I stole his St. Anger CD. I can only imagine why. And, uh, you know, I'd never heard anything like that in the past so it's like when you grow up you get you see a car someone tells you it's a car so when i see a big red fist on an album cover and i hear the way it is i'm thinking oh this is what heavy music is supposed to sound like mm-hmm. and it's not until years later obviously i had no idea what a mix was or what a con- what is was. or yeah. whatever yeah. yeah nothing i had absolutely no clue so <laughs> all i heard was heavy music and then embedded in my brain since then was just this is what heavy music is supposed to sound like. And, you know, obviously I've sort of grown past it, but that's still always going to be my first exposure into what heavy music is. So it just kind of stuck with me since then. Yeah, yeah, such a powerful early experience. I think my first experience with heavy music, it's funny you mentioned that, was probably Tony Hawk's. Tony Hawk's Pro yeah, Skater, yeah. you know. Pro Skater 2, that was yeah. such a good soundtrack. Yeah, I it's love kind it. of like, when they do the grand documentary about the millennials culture-wise that CNN do, <laughs> I think one of their touchstones for our sort of demographic era, the sort of, I don't know, post-YouTube era or whatever, would be those Pro Skater games at a young age, because the first four introduced such a wide variety of hip-hop and ska and gut-up skater punk well, and shit like that. Especially... Like, Especially bands like Three Days Grace and uh, other stuff like not Suicidal Tendencies were on number one. Yeah, yeah, they were on so many, and then it's not just the pro skater games, but the WWE games got yeah, me into so yeah, many bands yeah. as well. Yeah, and then I grow up and I'm like 16, and someone shows me Yellow Card. I'm like, who's Yellow Card? It turns out I've been listening to them since I'm like six years old. Me and I just had no idea. <laughs> 
Well, me and someone at work actually um, had this odd moment where we connected over the Tiger Woods uh, PGA Tour 2005 <laughs> soundtrack. Like, I mentioned it off. That's the one it, I remember. Yeah, I mentioned it offhand. It might be the 2004 one, but it had like brand new on it and DMX and it just had this yeah. rich vein of emo core on the greens and the fairways. So, so, uh, but, so. but yeah. We, you know, we can go off about these soundtracks, but, you know, what I'm saying is, like, you know, for me, I think it was Psychovision that was my first real taste of that from the first game, which is a uh, yeah, juggernaut of a song. But let's talk about Metallica then. So, you know, you used to mm. talk about St. Anger. I mean, going on from that, like, were you one of these people who just had to listen to everything? You had to know everything about these guys? Not everything. Not, not initially. I remember... Uh... One of the first things that I ever got, because obviously my dad already had the Black Album, I, I listened to that immediately after. Mm. And then I remember I was maybe like 12 years old and I got And Justice For All off iTunes back when people still bought albums. Sure. And I remember loving that. And then it was just sort of, it was a progressive thing. And then when I turned maybe 12 or 13, I started playing guitar again and I got a, a booklet uh, like the little tab books for learning uh, songs yeah. for Kill 'Em All, and the only reason I chose Kill 'Em All was because uh, it was the cheapest book that they had, yeah. and I could afford it. And then when I got the book, I went and I listened to all the songs, and then that's how I discovered Kill 'Em All. And then it was just sort of a progression through there, through find like just it wasn't like an intentional thing; it just sort of happened organically, I guess. And then through time, they just became like my favorite band. Uh, by the time I was fourteen or fifteen. Discovery through tablature. I love that. Mm -hmm. I've also had that. People in the UK and etc. might not be aware, but Total Guitar is a great magazine for like kind of early teen players or whatever. It's still oh, great yeah. stuff, like, you know, but just exposed to all these bands you've never heard. So you're just hearing like some studio musician mock it up uh, to yeah, some track. It's this it's the same thing for Pantera, actually. I was just yeah. I discovered Pantera through Total Guitar because they did uh, they were doing like a tablature for uh, Piss by Pantera, which is obviously it, it's nobody's first Pantera song, but it was my first Pantera song just because it was in Total Guitar yeah. and yeah. I picked it up. Yeah, well, so I'm, it's it's a really good magazine. For it, that is, kind of thing. it is a fantastic magazine, and they did loads of stuff on Metallica, especially. And they just you know, they had all the heroes oh, yeah. back then, and I've got a huge stack in my attic that I, I definitely need to uh, find an. That's intro. a whole other podcast. That, that is yeah, Total Guitar. <laughs> A guitar magazine buggers. Guitar techniques as well. I don't know if you've ever oh, got brilliant. that one, but that's a really advanced magazine. Yeah. But um, let's talk about Metallica. We you know, we could, yeah. we could go spiral off into all these different directions, but we're talking about Rebel of Babylon, which yes. to you personally, I mean, I mentioned this in the intro, could this replace a song like for like on Death Magnetic? So I think any of the songs from Beyond Magnetic could replace them, wow. but they shouldn't. If okay. they put more effort into them i feel like it's it's their b-sides for a reason sure you know i was i was listening to a few of the other podcasts about the beyond magnetic songs and you know one of the guys was saying i think it was on hate train he said it's kind of a demo sure. and it kind of is it's you know it's like any demo i feel like if they put more time and attention into the overall product then i think it could be good enough but for Rebel of Babylon specifically, I was just rewatching the uh, the the making of video because they do that for the for every song now since right. Death Magnetic came out. And even James says, like near the end of the video, he just says, "This song is a mess." It's <laughs> like he just said, "This this is a mess," and I I kind of yeah. agree with him. I think they a lot of what Metallica do when you're watching those videos, especially for Hardwired, a lot of it is experimentation and having fun, messing around and joking. 
the entirety of this making of video for Rebel of Babylon, it seemed like it was just them fixing problems and wow. trying to just make passable. And I still like the song, but it just feels like they could have put a whole lot more into it if they had the time. It could have been a deadline thing, but the end product, short and long answer short, it probably couldn't replace anything on Death Magnetic, but. Going back in time, I think if they did things a bit differently, it totally could have. Yeah, it does need a rework. And I haven't actually watched that video. I didn't think to find that video, but yeah, I do want to check that out. And that does make sense. It does feel like yeah. plumbing at parts. It is very thrown together. And there are a lot of directions that they go in in the song that don't really make a cohesive whole. I mean, we'll get to um, Kirk's kind of haywire interpretations there. I mean, as it opens then, you know, fairly subdued intro with the kind yeah. of contrasting chords uh you know introducing this uh, introducing this melody which to me i don't know if i'm being a little a little cra- little harsh here but it's a little crass to me a little bland a little cheesy i don't know it doesn't really work a little bit it's uh, the thing is is it the guitar is sort of supposed to be like the main part of that intro yeah. but just personally i'm not a big fan of emgs on a clean sound that's mm. not me hating on emgs on a guitar that's like i'm just that's just an opinion I have. And the thing that I liked was the bass tone. And then it just kind of, the bass sits in as it's going into the next bit. But it's, it's like you were saying, a bit crass. That sort of snare transition just mm. into the riff didn't really, it felt a bit uninspired, I think. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah. Yeah. And again, then- going back to the main point, I think that if they spent a bit more time, they could have really made that a big build up. But it did seem a bit. I don't want to say Neanderthal because that's just rude, but yeah. you know, it, it was primitive. it was a little bit yeah primitive. That's the right word to use. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are some promising sequences. You know, we then get into that real sludgy gut punch of a riff, and yeah. you, you know, it feels almost load reload esque to me. Kind of turned up to eleven, and I said it's more spiteful, more addictive. And yeah. I don't, again, I don't mind that. I don't really think you you know eulogize it in a song that way but still uh it, it's very death magnetic isn't it as well some of the structures the way that the, the tempo will just ramp up out of nowhere like it's quite a fun trick for them to do in yeah. the latter era and the, the thing that i because I, I was thinking about it I, I noticed that they do that and they usually have this really smart way of transitioning or it's you know it's it feels mm-hmm. natural even though it's abrupt but when i was listening to rebel of babylon it seemed just really just out of nowhere it it just started to get fast and you know in my head i was like kind of trying to justify it to myself by saying it's it's yeah it's a weird transition or there's no transition more like to get to that point so the way i justify it to myself is if they just kept it the same tempo the entire way through then everyone would probably just give them a lot of stick for for you know, being boring and not changing tempo, not doing different time signatures, whatever. But all of Death Magnetic, they were they were doing all of that stuff. So whether it worked or not, they still tried something that was different. Yeah, and you know, with the song itself lyrically, um, it it does slow down as well. There are these sections out of nowhere, but there are also these kind of more open chord sections here. Um, the let the dark let this dark shine. You know, don't yeah. get burnt tonight. That sort of thing. Again, though. I have to say that I find the melody quite tin. I find it quite yeah. uninvolving, actually, and kind of cliche. Like I, it is. Yeah, it doesn't endear itself to me after many listens. I think it's it's the thing for me was I enjoyed it as more of a junk food listen. But the thing is, it can't be a junk food listen when the song is, what is it, eight minutes long? 
It's, very it's long. Really long. Yeah. I it's think it's longer long. than Orion. It's like calm the fuck down. Yeah. Like it's really long, and you know. <laughs> It's, the lyrics themselves, I think, are actually, of course, they're transparent. You can tell immediately it's sort of this sort of drug addiction person, like whatever struggle someone's going through with addiction and everything. And there are some clever things in it, but I feel I feel like it's a shame because James had such a good technical performance, but it's kind of being wasted on, you know, singing three notes yeah. as opposed to doing something really interesting when he's trying to show off something. Because I feel like he's got such an amazing voice on Death Magnetic, uh, especially after, you know, load and reload and lots of live performances where he maybe wasn't able to uh, perform like he used to. I feel like he, he did an amazing job, but he yeah. could have he could have really experimented with what he was doing as opposed to just going for a big high note and that's kind of it. Yeah, he hits the high notes well, and I do agree, yeah, despite the wear and tear, his voice does really shine through. I mean, yeah. y- you know, um, the-, the way the song sort of moves forward as well, um, the don't let it burn tonight, pulling into that riff that feels very throwback to me. You know, a lot of this yeah. sing- song feels very modern, but a lot of this song feels very Merciful Fate-esque, Murder on the Front Row territory, oh, yeah. you know. And it spans a lot of time, doesn't it, this? And whilst it doesn't work, I do kind of admire how much it's crazy crammed in to these eight or so minutes which by the way 20 seconds shorter than orion that's all <laughs> oh my god and orion feels a lot shorter as well orion is just like i remember john mayer had this like i used to think this quote was lame when i read it but i do kind of like it now he was talking about little wing and how mm. it's like i think it's like two minutes 10 seconds or something and he was talking about how yeah. brief of a joy it is and he's like it's like if a grandparent came back to life for those two minutes like and, you know that <laughs> it's maybe a little over the top Brilliant. but orion has that quality to me which i'm yeah. afraid rebel of babylon doesn't have and it's well, like it's yeah. yeah the issue i feel with that is like when you're looking at orion there's this really cool video on YouTube, actually. I don't even know what it's called. And it's like this like fan-made music video going around like the sun and like the universe and stuff. And if you're watching it, it feels like it's going through a journey. But with Rebel of Babylon, it's another like Frankenstein song that they have where they're literally just taking pieces and trying to fill in where they think another section should go. And I think that's what makes it feel like less of a journey. It's just kind of like there's this piece, then this piece, then this piece. And then the overall thing just feels long and it feels a little bit overdrawn, which I'm okay with because I like the long songs. But I think in this case, you can maybe listen to it two or three times actively. And then after that, it's kind of a passive listen. Yeah, there are certain moments that people refer to. I think in like the fifth, sixth minute after the solo, there's a hell of a lot of riffs beforehand as well, which are fun riffs. They're fine riffs. They're, I think, they're fine. I think people are, are overhyping like how great they are. I don't, I don't think they really stand up to the best Death Magnetic riffs. No, no, I don't think so. I like the fast uh, tremolo picking riff, and I think that uh, the vocals are supposed to be the main thing for it. But like you said, after the solo... Uh, is when a lot of people might uh, sort of zone out. The solo kind of kind of suffered oh a God. little bit. It feels really dry. It's a bit wanky. Mm. It's it's. There are some parts in it where I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, this is this is pretty good. There's some melodies in there that are memorable. It feels like it's a little bit out of key, but still in key. Mm. And but it feels like whatever work Kirk put into getting his guitar tone, I feel like past that. It gets to the mixing stage and someone just pulled up a fader and it was the right volume and then they just did nothing else. It just feels dry. 
It feels it, really dry. It does. It does. And the yeah. note the note choice is very, you know, standard in its awfulness. It's a big yeah. fuddled Kirk solo, you know, it's a kid in the corner of the you know, the guitar center with yeah. the amp, uh just noodling absently. There's very yeah. little here. <laughs> there's a huge reliance on whammy dives that I just and there's oh there's just like open note lines as well just kind of going yeah. up and down the string like there's yeah. just some real like i personally find it quite patronizing as a listener to hear him play this way like i think it's an insult to metallica fans yeah. in general it's just especially so... with how much especially with how much he usually puts into it hell yeah it, uh, as opposed to like how much work normally goes into one of his solos like for example i listened to the solo of hate train and i was thinking like Wait, are all the solos like this? Is it just Travel of Babylon? I listened to the one on Hate Train. I thought that solo, wanky as it was, the actual sound and where it sat in the mix okay. was not even comparable. And then if you listen to Rebel of Babylon, it it's literally just like, like you said, it's kind of nearly insulting as if like he wasn't even shown the song. He They were just telling him to play something for a minute and a half. And then that's what he did, which, yeah, it, it didn't. It, it, it's an acquired taste. I'll try and give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's jazzy, but I don't think yeah, uh, I don't think it's really accurate either. That's just me really trying to be the fanboy, trying to stand up for them. But no, I have to admit it's 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 really not up to the standard I'd usually expect. No, no, um, and, and then the song harmonizes as well, which is quite cool. Yeah. It's not exactly the greatest Metallica harmony part, but I welcome any of them, and it's still really entertaining, and I love to hear yeah. it as well. And look, the song is a bit undistinguished uh, for me personally. Uh, maybe a little overrated by the Beyond Magnetic Brigade there. But, you yeah. know, there's a lot of riffs out of nowhere. There's a lot of acceleration. Like, I can understand why people might enjoy this song. Yeah, the the only thing that really stops me from enjoying it is the, um, is the drums. Hmm. And I know immediately uh, there's going to be, I don't know how many people saying... That I like Saint Anger, but I didn't. I didn't like the drums on this one. But it's it's just because when it comes in, I think the the snare tone has the same thing as the solo, where it feels like it was just turned up and that's it, and there was nothing else past that, and it was just dry. And then there's so much energy behind what Lars is playing. It's not the the drum parts I have an issue with. It's more so just at some parts the hi hats are just as loud as the snare, and the amount of hits that he's doing on the hi-hats are making it sound so washy. It feels like whoever was mixing it or whatever way it was recorded, it just wasn't very articulate. It feels like it was kind of all just blending together. It, it's almost like it wasn't really mixed by a professional engineer. And it makes the whole thing kind of suffer. And that's the only thing that really kind of puts me off listening to it very often is that I... I think the bass fits really well. I think the vocals, whatever anyone might think about the the performance, I think the mix, it sits very well. The rhythm guitar, I quite like, but the solo and the drum tone just really killed it for me. Is it to you, as many people have read into it, and apparently James himself actually confirmed this live, so it probably most definitely is, about Lane? Mm-hmm. About Lane. I didn't hear... Th- what, what, uh, Alice in Chains, know. Lane Staley. I didn't hear this rumour. Okay. <laughs> yeah, apparently... Apparently is both digging your own grave with a dirty spoon, I think is maybe a veiled reference. Oh, and okay. James himself supposedly has said this before. I, can't, I haven't really seen the footage or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, some people have mentioned it on the Twitter as well. And let's just go to the Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, AIC and Metallica is a very close relationship. Yeah. They're uh, 
in the front row of the unplugged stuff as well and yeah crazy stuff so getting into um you guys at metallica pod uh, Rebel of Babylon, Ralph saying, oh yeah, I read somewhere that James had Lane of AIC in mind when writing this song, but a lot of it could be autobiographical, such as Rebel Grips the Bottle Tight. I really think this is underrated as a song. Definitely wouldn't mind hearing it live once in a while. Character um, character restrictions are killing me, saying, because he also added another Beyond Magnetic track that doesn't get quite enough love. I really dig this one overall. You almost get a bit of everything from a country-tinged beginning to parts that are thrashy, and even some bluesy Sabbath-esque doominess at certain junctures. Solo leaves a bit to be desired nick says one of my favorites from beyond magnetic reflecting back it could use more development and some trimming in the mission metallica snippets there's a video of the pre-chorus it's played more like the intro strummed and sung not as heavy okay i didn't know that fixer saying highly underrated a highlight and tritton's finally saying a really good song often overlooked in the band's discography great riffs and ideas too bad the structure is all over the place the let this dark shine part is sorely missed on death magnetic in my opinion with a lot more work it could have been a classic banger any uh closing thoughts on this track for you sir uh i think i think we've been going back on it constantly since the start is it's just underdeveloped yeah. it's 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 it could have done so much better and it's it's still a song that I enjoy. I'll still listen to it every now and again, but not very often. <laughs> it's, it's it's still a song I enjoy, but it, it could have definitely been better by Metallica standards. I could probably put days, hours, weeks into writing the best song possible, and it wouldn't be as good as that, but I'd, I'd say from like where they're coming from, I expect a little bit more. You know, if I ever do another podcast about this song, I will listen to this song again. But that is the only real circumstance when I will listen to the song. Uh, yeah, to me, just very bland and, um, yeah, just a little mute in points, really. And I like certain sections of it, but a lot of it is just a bit laboured. Um, it's only been performed once. It was performed at their anniversary shows, December 10th, 2011. Um, I watched the performance just before it went on air. It's a really good showing for him, actually. Performing it great. Yeah, I actually I was looking at that today as well, and uh, someone even in the in the Twitter comments mentioning that they would like to see it played live. Mm. It was very good, but again, it, it was one of those things where they're not as tight as I would usually see them playing. Sure. You know, songs that they're always playing. James, like I'm not going to blame him for not being able. Yeah, it would be. It's really hard. It's extremely fast, and you know, I'm not going to blame James for not being able to hit the high note at the end of the chorus because yeah. it's a really really difficult note to sing but he did have some trouble with it and i don't think they'd go out of their way to play something that's just unrealistic for them at this point especially if it's a b-side that's you know not, that not a lot of people are really into aside from like you know a small cult following i guess all right well you know everyone again if you want to give feedback for future songs follow us at metallica pod we will close with a few quick fire questions um the first of which being what is your favorite song by the band Oh, um, okay, so it's always wavering depending on my mood. I would say my favorite would probably be The Unnamed Feeling. Mm. Uh, and then going away from that, the songs, like, this is just sort of what's my favorite right now. I'd say, like, Am I Savage? That breakdown riff gets me every time. Oh, yeah. uh, the harmonics in the middle, misery. yeah. Oh, the harmonics. Mm. It's just so, oh, I love it. And My Friend of Misery is another one. Yeah. Uh, Orion. Uh, the re-recorded version for me actually is nearly on par with the original. I quite like both versions, so any version of Orion is cool with me. Um, yeah, just it's it's maybe the Outlaw Torn, something like that. It just depends on the mood I'm in. 
because tomorrow I might be in a master puppets mood, but right now I'm just in the mood for all those, all those feely songs. And the best album is Say Anger, right? Arguably, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I just Say Anger's better than Ride, in your opinion. I can't. I just even I, though I'm I a big Say Anger guy, I'm a big Say Anger guy, but yeah. Now the thing for it's, Ride uh... with me is that I, I I like Ride a lot, but there's like it's it's if I'm in believe it or not a black metal mood because there's it has all that reverb on it and it just sounds and sure. i think they they recorded that in denmark as well mm-hmm. when and they used to be like as far as I, remember, I think they used to be like friends with the guys from mayhem or something and i just like if i'm in a black metal mood i'll sort of veer towards that as i'm going into all my black metal listening i'll just be like oh, i'll put on ride the lightning so it's more something i i do love it but saint anger just wins for me I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. As I said before, it's like trying to change someone's favourite colour. Like, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just just appreciate the difference and diversity. Um, what about a favourite member of the band? Uh, I think, okay, so I think the person I'd most easily have a conversation with would be between Lars or Kirk. Like, I feel like all the oh, members yeah. and the past members, the ones that I would most likely come away from it thinking that actually went well would either be Kirk and Lars. They just seem the most approachable. But James is like my my idol, my guitar hero in there. But like if it was actually to come to a point where I could talk to any of them, he's, you know, I feel like he's a bit more introverted than he might seem being like the front man of like the biggest metal band ever. I feel like I'd just be annoying him after like five minutes. But with Lars, it's like I've heard he still introduces himself to people like at his shows. Like he'll go up to someone at meet and greet and say, hi, I'm Lars. Like yeah. I know who you are. Like, but uh, like he's that kind of down to earth, humble kind of guy. And with Kirk, I feel like I wouldn't be pressured to just talk about music either, because they probably get that every day. I, I could geek out on horror movie stuff with him or something like that. You know, I couldn't talk to Rob about surfing or Lars about art or James sure. about hunting. You know, I could. I feel like I could have a conversation. Well, James with about Kirk. art, like you know, that's a minefield. Oh, does he do his art as well? I don't think so. I reckon he hates art, low key. <laughs> even, even though he's such an artist. <laughs> Yeah, I feel yeah. like that would be a conversation I could have. But yeah, he he's probably my my number one in there. But realistically, I if I could spend some time with any of them, it would probably be Kirk or maybe Lars. And what about seeing them live? Have you seen them live at all? No, but I am going to see them in Slane Castle. I don't oh, know nice. if this is like yeah, I don't know if this is a world famous thing or not. But Slane Castle only has one concert every single year, and it's about eighty thousand people. And Metallica will be playing next month or the month after, I think. And, uh, yeah, I got the tickets for that straight away. I mean, some legendary gigs have gone down. I mean, the, the Chili's is the one that I remember most. Like, Yes, that's the one when I was learning how to play uh, guitar first. I used to watch, there was this jam that uh, John Frusciante did with Flea before they played Californication. And that's how I learned how to learn a song by ear was I was just watching him play and then replicating that little solo he did. It's such mm-hmm. an amazing show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And finally, what about a podcast? If you were to do a podcast on a band like this, who would you cover? Oh, it, it would have to be a band that I really... I mean, the, the question is more so, what bands do I love that much that I could make? Yeah. A, a podcast that people would listen to. Because I love a band... There's this uh, hardcore punk band from Canada called Cancer Bats. But, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're insane, but... I don't think a lot of they're people They're kind of popular. Yeah, I know what you mean, but yeah. that's, that's a good answer. They're kind of like Gallows, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, kind of. And they've been on tour with like Touche Amore, stuff like that. But if, if I was going to make a podcast and I was thinking, what about 
wanting people to listen to it, I'd probably make one on Linkin Park. Mm, yeah, that would be huge. Yeah. That's a good idea. I think... I'd, Mike, I'd Shinoda, Mike, Mike Shinoda would totally go on your show. He would he, go on every episode. It. That would be the sick thing. <laughs> yeah. He would come on, he'd perform, <laughs> just like, start posting it. Like, we don't want to do a Fort Minor episode again, like... Oh, that would be so that insane. Be no, I didn't no, even no. know he was in Fort Minor. Some, like, someone showed me the song like last year. He mm. says Mike Shinoda in it, and I didn't even realize it was Mike Shinoda. And then it was only like, oh man, I used to listen to this. Like, yeah. on, it was on like a Need for Speed game, I think. I was everywhere, was yeah. So it was in Karate Kid. Yeah. and I mean, yeah, The Rising Tide, that. it's called, the debut album, is, is actually brilliant. There's this song called Kenji about his, yeah. far, his, far, his grandfather in World War II that's just, oh man, really good. But, yeah. um, so if Mike Shinoda's listening, I'm totally down. Yeah, to a Link podcast. Apart podcast would actually be huge, though. Like, they're such a popular band. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so many, so many avenues down there. But yeah, if you're not going to do it, someone out there is going to listen and do it. So yeah, yeah, good luck with your podcast, guys. Um, finally for yourself, I mean, I know you do a YouTube channel. Like, is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh, well, yeah, I have my YouTube channel, The Quarry Productions, and uh, it's Q U A R R Y. I didn't realize a lot of people don't know how to spell quarry until after I named it and did everything. But uh, yeah, I have the quarry production on YouTube and then on Instagram, it's the same thing. I make videos every week. Uh, I don't do a huge amount of Metallica stuff because it's really difficult to do Metallica covers. But uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of music stuff, anything music based or uh, gear based. I also do some opinion based stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. All right, well, this has been great, man. And again, if anyone wants to help support Alf Metallica, Alf Metallica Pod, Patreon is there, iTunes as well. The link's down below. Put the link down for The Quarry as well. Rob's uh, great shows over there on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Look out for that So What little video thing dropping on Patreon as well. Um, yeah, as always, this has been a great episode. We'll be back shortly for more Alf Metallica. We're doing it twice weekly now. So what have we got coming up? We've got uh, Remember Tomorrow, which I've already recorded at the time I was recording this, which is a really fun episode. Lots of Maid and Van Halen talk on that. And I've also got Ride the Lightning and Ronnie coming out the next week. Still yet to record those guys. Ronnie Rise Medley, Sabracadabra, then Sad But True, then Seek. God, it's going to be a great couple of weeks for the show. So uh, yeah, definitely tune in for all those. But um, yeah, this has been great, Rob. Thank you again, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much.